Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. Over 40,000 people have listened to Mark G. Richardson's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. I'm excited about our new format with Remodeling Mastery in 2019. In addition to having a topic that I think is really relevant, helping you to think about and take your business to the next level, we'll also be doing little segments of interviews, interviews with industry experts on the economy and what's happening and trends, but also a kind of story or an interview of one of the remodeling thought leaders, one of the most successful remodeling folks out there that I am fortunate enough to either to be friendly with or have access to. Today, I want to talk about a topic that you've certainly heard or had me thread into this topic on many, many occasions, and it's a whole focus on business fitness. Now, to give you a little bit of background, you know, this is very tough out there. Businesses have a tough time in terms of not only kind of navigating through kind of the waters we're in, but also very tough time in terms of understanding really what is a fit business. Now, I actually started thinking about this subject probably about 15 or 20 years ago when I actually heard a little infomercial on television of how to lose 10 pounds in 21 days. Now, how does that relate to the remodeling business? Well, at the time, I was overweight, so I needed to, you know, subscribe to some sort of program. So I actually ordered the little book and tape and took it through the process. And sure enough, in 21 days, I actually lost the 10 pounds. But what I found was fascinating about it was the process of improvement, the process of how you could start at X and get to Y if, in fact, you took kind of baby steps along the way. So as a result of that, I actually was asked to do a remodeling fitness program. So it was a 30-day remodeling fitness program that I wrote a book about. And what was interesting is I got out and started to speak about that subject of walking a listener through a 30-day fitness program, which was literally every day doing something for 30 days. And at the end of that, you ended up with a healthier fit business. And certainly, if you had the discipline to be able to do that, you could do, you could be successful. However, what I found interesting is I got it out there that probably only 10, maybe 20% of the people that actually subscribed to this little program were, in fact, effective at doing it. And what I realized, it wasn't just about discipline. It was also about how we define fitness, how we understand what is a fit business. So I started to ask different remodelers. You know, when it comes to your personal health, what's fit? Everyone knows it's tied into stamina, it's tied into muscle mass, it's tied into weight, it's tied into diet. We also bombarded every single day by whether it's whether it's the media or whether it's the government telling us what's in the foods that we eat and what what's healthy and what's not. So when it comes to our personal health and fitness, we all have a pretty good understanding of what that is. However, when I flip that question around and I ask people, what is a fit business? Usually it's a little bit like a deer in headlight. They have some sort of feelings, but the reality is most of the thinking with respect to fit businesses are very different from each other. 
So what that did was it prompted me to write a book, write a book titled How Fit Is Your Business? And in this book that I'm going to walk you through a few of the highlights here shortly, what I try to do is help you understand what is a fit business, very similar to uh, going to the doctor and getting a physical or a checkup. In a business, you have cholesterol, you have blood pressure, you have your weight, you have different elements within the business, but the question is, do you know what they are? And as I said earlier, when it comes to your personal health, it's pretty clear. So for example, if you go into the doctor and the doctor says, you know, your blood pressure is okay, but your cholesterol is getting a little bit at the higher end of the scale, you know, you maybe need to focus on a couple different things, whether it's diet or a little bit more exercise. But if you don't do those kind of things, when you come back next year, we're going to have to write a prescription and you're going to have to be medicated to improve it so that you have that longer term health. When it comes to your business, it's very similar. So I'm going to walk you through 10 criteria. Now, for those listening to this 10 criteria when it comes to business fitness, you might say, okay, I understand that, but I have one or two more when it comes to my particular business. That's okay. The point is, do you know what those nine criteria, 10 criteria, do you know what they are? But most importantly, What's fun about this is to not only know what the 10 are, but take a little bit of time to score, to score how you're doing on each one of these. And when you take the time and score the individual fitness, just like when it comes to your blood pressure, is it a 10, meaning excellent, or is it a zero, meaning it's, it's, it's very uh, dangerous kind of levels? Each one of these fitness has a similar thing. And what's important as you're thinking about this topic, think of it almost like a a child in school or a student in school who comes back to you and has three A's, a B, and a D. We all immediately know which of those topics or which of those classes they're going to probably need some extra help or tutoring in. When it comes to remodelers and their business, usually when one of the criteria is lower than the others, we have a tendency to do more of what we love to do, not what we're weak at. So by isolating the things that you're strong, average, or weak at, it allows you to kind of get all the scores up higher. And I would argue your success is a product of total fitness, not just hitting profit out of the park or having a world-class product, or having great team members. So what I want to do is walk you through. I want to walk you through kind of what the criteria are, and I also want to encourage you to either listen to a webinar, reach back to my friends at Surefire Local. They'll actually give you copies of my books, or you can also go to Amazon and order the book where it's got a lot more, I think, meat than I can certainly do in a few minutes in this podcast. So I'm going to walk you through what these 10 criteria are, and I want you to just kind of reflect a little bit on it. Maybe you go back and listen to this recording, but what I try to do in the book is score each one of these criteria. By scoring each one of these criteria, you will be able to have a gut check. But where it really becomes powerful is with you when you get your leadership team together and ask them to score the business, because more times than not, the best and healthiest businesses are not only having good scores, but they're aligned with each other. 
If you can get everyone rowing together and understanding where the strengths and weaknesses are together, the likelihood of success is so much greater. So number one is knowing your numbers. Knowing your numbers, do you know the numbers? Do you know the history of the numbers? Do you measure and track those numbers, whether it's the budgets, whether it's focusing on key metrics and sales and close rate and gross profit? You know, it's important that you're not flying blind and you know the numbers. So what I want you to do throughout the course of this is score your business in terms of knowing your numbers, 10 being the best and one being the worst. And by the way, if you have tr- trouble deciding whether it's a seven or eight, just use seven Point five. Number two is systems and processes. You know, are your businesses driven by systems and processes? Are your systems and processes strong? Or, or is it a little bit like Swiss cheese? In some cases, they're strong. In some cases, they're very weak. You know, is your business guided by the systems and processes and the rules of the game rather than just the personalities? Number three is leadership. How strong is your leadership? And leadership, by the way, is not just you, the leader, president, and owner. It's the overall leadership in terms of the vision, in terms of having a strong direction driven by goals and priorities. Do you get people to kind of rally behind the leadership within the business? Number four category is team. Now, generally, when I'm speaking to a group on this subject or specific companies, everybody scores the team very, very high. Now, in this case, I want you to look at it slightly differently, and that is, do you have kind of franchise or world-class A players? You know, in business today, you know, you cannot afford to have some weak links on your team. So as you think about it holistically, if you've got all A players, then obviously score yourself very high. But team is a lot more than just the players themselves. Are they working synergistically with each other? Is the overall culture a team sport as opposed to an individual sport? So that's number four. Number five, which also businesses tend to score themselves high, is on the product and service itself. And again, I think this is probably true. Most of the folks that are listening to this podcast would score themselves high on that. However, the product and service I think that you really are scoring in this case has more to do with, are you building what you predicted it would be? Now, a good way to look at that is the issue of time. Time, gross profit, are you estimating in the actuals? Are they aligned with each other? Or is it a little bit like like just crossing your fingers as you're moving through and hoping that you end up with a good, delighted client? The next one is profitability. Now, many people I talk to, if I ask them what a fit business, they always just gravitate towards profitability. But the issue with profitability is that while it can be very high one year and a little softer in the next, you know, is it what you predicted it to be? I gave more credibility to companies and certainly my team in terms of predicting the right level of profitability than just high levels of profitability. Obviously, you want profitability to be consistent. You want it to be growing year after year. So score your business, 10 being the best and one being the worst on profitability. 
The next one and a couple after that are a little bit more soft, but also a very, very important to the long-term health. You know, just like having good, successful, healthy habits when it comes to your personal fitness, I think many are, are true when it comes to uh, your business fitness as well. So the next one is your reputation. Now, reputation is an interesting one in that, you know, do you find, for example, team members wanting to work for you? Usually that's because you're more of a magnet in terms of your reputation. Do you have a great reputation in terms of the community, in terms of both business and, and the homeowner community? You know, another element with reputation is media. You know, does the media kind of seek you out when they're looking for insights and stories? And if they are, they usually do that to companies that certainly have a better reputation. The next one, which is also a little bit different than a lot of people think about, and that is the stress. Now, in this case, I'm a big believer that you have to have the right level or the best level of stress in a business. Think of it kind of a little bit like a rubber band. You know, rubber band just left limp doesn't really do anybody any good. Just like with a business, if there's zero stress in a business, zero edge in a business, I wouldn't call that a very healthy situation. The flip side of that is you take that rubber band and you stretch it too tight, you run the risk of snapping it. And then it doesn't do you any good. Businesses are very similar to that. You know, when it comes to the health of your business, is the level of overall stress kind of the right level? aggressive but realistic, the right level of tension, so to speak, within the business itself to really accomplish your goals and have you be healthy. The next level of business fitness criteria is what I call positioning. How well positioned is your business for the future? Now, when you think about this, I don't think anyone is in business just for a snapshot of that month, that quarter, that year. So as you think about your business, how well positioned are you for the future? Are you investing, for example, in training, investing in people? Are you integrating the right levels of technology in for the future? How well positioned are you for the future? Some businesses are extremely well positioned and certainly score themselves on a very high. And some, quite frankly, are making a good product and service, but they're kind of behind the wave when it comes to the positioning. The last criteria I want to mention is strategic alliances. Now, again, like some of the others, it may not sound like it's integral part to the day-to-day of your business, and it may not be. But I'm a big believer that the best and the healthiest businesses out there, they really truly believe that they're not on an island by themselves, that they're integrating strategic alliances into their not only their strategies, their marketings, their trainings. And strategic alliances don't necessarily have to be folks that are part of the remodeling community. They could be also other businesses out there or other services out there. You know, a good way to think about strategic alliances and relationships is, first of all, do you have them? Now, are you operating kind of on an island or are you operating more strategic alliance thinking? Second is, do you communicate? And third is, the most healthy folks out there have win-win conversations. They look for opportunities to find programs and things they're doing together to help each of them grow the business. 
So again, I gave you kind of very quickly a list of these 10 criteria, and I'm certainly not expecting you to have a proper fitness checkup from doing it. And that's why I encourage you to reach back to my friends at Surefire. They can send you one of my books or go to certainly Amazon. But at the end of the day, your long-term health has a lot to do with the fundamental fitness. And if you're going to be fit, you've got to understand the fitness first and then start focusing on the weak links. In my book, about half of my book is focused on how to improve the specific elements to take them from a five to a six or six to a seven. And I think if you start to think about the topic that way, you're going to take your business to the next level. So thanks for listening to me and, and get ready for the balance of our podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery, but just as much I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Remodeling Industry, NERI, is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that'll be able to help you with your business. Welcome back. I'm Mark Richardson, and this is a new segment of Remodeling Mastery, which is focused on what's happening out there. I think it's critical that the remodeling community is not only focused on how to take your business to the next level, but also keeping kind of a pulse of the facts and figures and some of the key indicators out there. And joining me today is a special guest and certainly a good friend of mine, Kermit Baker. Kermit is the chief economist for the American Institute of Architects, as well as he heads up a program that is made up of leading manufacturers, remodelers, the media community, as well as economists focused on the future of remodeling. So welcome, Kermit, and uh, thought uh, maybe we'll dive into the topic. Great to be with you, Mark. Thank you. So uh, on this segment, Kermit, I want to kind of tap into a little bit of your crystal ball, but hopefully as an economist, it's got some substance behind it that's a little bit not more, more than just a psychic in terms of 2019 and you know what what do you let's look out we're seeing a little bit of kind of a little bit of craziness out there in the marketplace but what are you seeing in 2019 that would be beneficial for our listeners well, Mark, we're, we're entering the year with some good, solid uh, tailwinds. You know, we've been on a, uh, a, a good streak uh, in recent years with, uh, you know, uh, this past year, 2018, really being the uh, high watermark in terms of growth for the industry. But I think we're starting to see some 
uh, headwinds uh, emerge as we move into 2019? And, 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 and let me just mention a few. Um, one is uh, interest rates are, are, are moving up, uh, and they're moving up particularly uh, uh, quickly uh, uh, at the short end of the market, short-term rates, uh, things that are usually used to peg uh, home equity lines of credit and home equity loans. Uh, we're starting to see some uh, labor shortage out, shortages out there in the industry. Uh, we're starting to see wages increasing. That's going to drive up the cost of uh, undertaking a home improvement project. And we're seeing uh, some volatility and increases in material prices. Um, a lot of it caused by the sort of tariff uh, and trade wars that are emerging or, or threatened to emerge. But, but all three of them are really uh, uh, causing uh, the price of a home improvement project to rise. And, and I think giving consumers pause as to uh, um, you know, whether a project makes sense or not in this environment. Now, when you look at all of those factors, uh, and I and I love your you know your metaphor of the you know tailwinds coming in and the headwinds ahead, you know are these headwinds more of like gale force winds or headwinds, or are they more you know just keep an eye on them and navigate a proper properly? Well, I think the in the first instance, it's keep an eye on them. I mean, I think the question is, are they going to be uh, fairly fairly modest? Uh, are, are they just going to kind of slow things down again from the high single digit growth that we've seen down to the maybe the mid single digit growth? Uh, but certainly, um, you know, they have the potential to to turn into something more serious. We're seeing a lot more talk, hearing a lot more talk out there about a recession uh, coming up. Probably not in in uh, 2019, but potentially after that. Um, and, and and so I think it behooves everyone to start. You know, watching those signals a little more closely, not uh, not uh, assume the good times are going to continue, but um, you know, monitor business conditions, monitoring what's going on in your own practices and things like that to see which direction, um, you know, which direction we're seeing movement uh, moving forward. Now, if there were three things that you would encourage uh, a remodeling owner or remodelers to monitor ex- external monitoring kind of elements. What would those three elements be for you? Well, I, you know, I think a very easy one for the for the broader economy is 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 to watch uh, the stock market. Um, you know, it's been very strong until uh, in, in, until the end of 2018 when when started to see a lot more volatility. Um, and I think if we continue to see that trend down, that's going to be bad news for uh, for the broader economy, and 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 therefore. Um, you know, bad news for the home improvement market. Um, you know, looking, I, I, I think, more locally at their market, um, they, they probably want to follow house prices in, in, in their market area. Uh, that's really what drives a lot of uh, uh, consumer decision and consumer uh, concern. You know, are they holding up pretty well? Are, are they not moving up too quickly, which might create affordability issues? Are they not declining, which might make homeowners a little bit nervous about investing in their home? So you want to see them kind of flat to uh, slowly, uh, slowly picking up. And and then in their own, uh, you know, their 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 own company activity. I think they, you know, they want to start watching the the, the types of projects that are show up. Um, you know, when the uh, when the market is is healthy, you see a lot of uh, households undertake projects that they want to undertake. When the project is uh, when when the market's not as healthy, you see it more, uh, limited more to projects they need to undertake. 
they need to replace their roofing at certain times. They need to replace their siding, upgrade some of their uh, uh, systems in the homes, HVAC, electrical, plumbing. Um, so you like to see more of those discretionary projects that show the underlying confidence of the consumer um, in market conditions. Excellent. So for those listening to this, I think Kermit has given everyone that little bit of roadmap, a little bit of pulse of not only what he's seeing out there, but also, you know, kind of cracking the code for yourself. You know, you want to have the nice blend of how you're feeling, but also backed up by some of the key facts and figures. So I want to thank you, Kermit, for joining us on this special segment today of Remodeling Mastery, what's happening out there. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you soon. Good being with you today, Mark. Would you like to learn about the best ways to position your home improvement business for success in 2019? Get a free copy of Mark's best-selling book, Fit to Grow, the 12 business themes for growth. You can do so by emailing marketing at surefirelocal.com or calling or texting 571-327-3391. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm Mark Richardson, and we have a very special segment that we're excited about for 2019. Uh, it's actually a conversation, a conversation with uh, one of the remodeling thought leaders, uh, a thought leader that has had a very, very interesting kind of journey and path. And my hope in sharing this conversation is that you can actually map out how this path compares, what are some of the lessons learned and how you can take your game to the next level as a result of getting some of these insights. So my guest today is Vince Nardo. Vince is the president of Reborn. Reborn is a uh, very large kitchen and bath focused remodeling organization that Vince will share a little bit more details in a moment about. And Vince has not only accomplished tremendous amount of things, but certainly is acknowledged as one of the leading remodelers in the country, one of the thought leaders, as well as as a member of the Harvard Remodeling Futures Program. So, Vince, thank you for taking the time to join me today, and uh, appreciate uh, you being here. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I'm glad I can offer um, whatever experience I've gathered through the years to everybody else that's listening. Well, the good news is with experience, it usually comes with a lot of scars and bruises, so... You, you've, had, you've had your share like I have in that, and hopefully uh, we'll help to, uh, with our listeners, help them avoid some of that. So let's, I'm sure I didn't do the you know, introduction of Reborn Justice, so why don't we start with, you know, who is Reborn? Sure, so it's a real quick story. You know, about 35 years ago, or actually take it back a little further in the early 70s, um, my brother and myself are the only, only two children of my mom and my dad, and we lived in Long Island at the time. And my dad was the youngest of 11 children. My parents were on welfare, and they decided at that point they didn't want to continue to raise my brother and myself in New York. And my dad is, by trade, a finished carpenter. So they left New York. We had a trailer, a station wagon, and we headed west, you know, to, to go after the chase the dream. And when we ended up in California in the 70s, my dad had uh, realized that his um, skill set of kitchen cabinet refacing was not well known on the West Coast. So after working for some companies, he, uh, in the early 80s, decided to, you know, branch off like every carpenter eventually does 
says, you know, I can do it better than my boss. I'm going to go start my own company. And so in 83, he founded Reborn Cabinets um, in a little tiny 1,200-square-foot facility. So to fast forward um, that time frame, you know, as the company continued to exist, it, it flourished because my dad had good carpentry skills and my mom, being a real estate broker, understood sales and marketing really well. So together they made a good fit. And the company grew from 83 to today where we now have um, seven locations scattered throughout California and Nevada. And we employ um, just shy of about 500 employees. And we still manufacture um, the original cabinet components that we did back in the 80s still today. Wow, quite a journey. So let, let's turn the focus a little bit more on you as president. And obviously you were the you know, son of the owner, Vinny Nardo, but what, give us a little bit of insights of the, the path that, that, that you took and how you got kind of involved in the business. Yeah, so the business starting in, early, in the early 80s, I was still um, getting into high school at the time, and um, by the time I graduated high school, my, the company started doing, started growing, and I realized at that point that my dad, you know, having relied on other people to work with him really needed to have a family member in place other than my mom that he could start delegating things to and trust to take care of the company. So I joined the company, actually dropped out of college and I um, joined the company in the late eighties. And at that point, you know, I, I decided that I got married thereafter and looked at the business and said, you know, we need to grow this thing. We have something here. We, we've got a good system. Um, I mean, we had our first, CRM on our Apple IIe way back in the 80s that we wrote. And so we had a good system and we said, let's take the system to the next level. So I kind of looked at the business and said, if we can plan this and, and really understand the metrics of what makes this thing tick, at that point, it just needs to be a machine. And we can just continue to drop stuff in the top and basically produce money at the bottom end. So that's kind of how we looked at the business. And at that point, really, everything we've done since the late 80s or everything we did in the late 80s, we still do today. It's just on a larger scale. The systems are the similar. The processes are similar. The thinking is similar. So we really literally just took the basic little tiny thing and just continued to expound on it and grow it to today. And so Now, you, your, a, your background, Vince, just to interrupt you for a minute, your background sure. obviously was like a lot of sons of owners really come into the business more from a, sticks and bricks or a little sawdust in their blood, but it sounds like you got into the business based on your description with, you know, some real passion and interest in the processes and the technologies and elements. Maybe you can expand on that because that, that's, I think, a interesting kind of element in terms of how to grow something. Sure. So, you know, I've looked at this and I'm sure you have seen other, other companies out there as well, but a lot of guys, you know, they start a business because they literally are just good at the trade and they look at their boss and they say, you know what? I can be better. I can do it better than my boss. Not really realizing what the business requires to run the business. So when I came in, I have a, a very good analytical mind and I looked at it and I said, you know, this is a, a, a metric driven machine and, and it's the same for any industry. But if you understand the smallest component of what makes that machine move, then all you got to do is continue down the road and all those components that interact like gears, if you will, 
grease the gears, make the gears bigger, figure out where you need to apply some more, you know, um, different ratios, if you will, and you can make this thing go faster and faster and faster. And that's really where I think we've differentiated ourselves from other, you know, maybe companies that haven't reached our size yet is we really don't, it's sad to say, but we don't really focus on the product we do because the product we do is already great. We focus on the systems that we need to have to make the product work. And that's what we really, really work on every single day. Now, you, do you have what obviously you'd consider a family business. Uh, you know, your, your, your parents involved, your brother's involved in the business, your son's involved in the business. You know, I say that kind of put it in a category of family business and obviously you've, you've been able to accomplish pretty amazing things. Talk to us a little bit about that dynamic. You know, what, what would you say are some of the keys to success of having more of a family business versus a non-family business? Sure. Well, first thing I want to do is add another category. So there's the family business, the non-family business, and the category we're in, which I call the family with a business. And I think there when you, you can take that and add that little phrase in the center with us, the whole dynamic changes. A lot of people get into business and with a family business and they look at it and the family and the business become one. They merge together and really the business defines the family or the family dynamic defines the business. And we've got to be careful in those environments that we're able to draw a fine line or a definitive line between the family and the business. And so we've always looked at this thing as a separate thing where we work with its own separate issues and unique, unique as it may sound to everybody that has a family business, we're able to literally can come to work, have a disagreement on a process or a price or something we're working on, and then go straight from there to a family dinner with all, uh, I think today we have about 16 in our immediate family with the kids and everything. And we can all go sit around table, eat Italian food, have pasta, and not talk about work at all or anything that happened just hours before. And so I think that's really the key is you've got to look at this as a family with a business rather than a family business. Excellent. That's a wonderful uh distinction that I hope with many of the listeners that, you know, have that dynamic, whether it's a father, son, or a husband, wife, whatever it is, that they look at the business is kind of a, the patient. It's an entity in itself. And the family has that business, not necessarily is the business. So exactly. needless to say, you guys have a lot of sawdust in your family blood. You've got a lot of experience probably with the 16 family members with and so many of them tied into the business you've got hundreds of years of experience what what do you vince nardo love the most about this industry you know I, I, the, the best thing about this business is that it is every day is different you know we're not making widgets we're not making tires you know we're not making the same thing over and over again we're dealing with new customers. We're dealing with new challenges. We're dealing with new opportunities every single day. And I myself will literally get bored if I'm not seeing a new opportunity to reinvent something or deal with something or, or change something that's going on. And I kind of drive my senior leadership team crazy sometimes because I'll come to work, sit in my office and go, you know, yeah, we're doing 400 kitchens and baths a month, but this is boring. 
let's go out and open up a branch up in Sacramento and see if we can't stir the pot. So I'll do that because I, I like the challenge. And I think everybody that's listening that's in the remodeling space, whether they're in windows, doors, design build or whatever, they like that same challenge. They like the mechanics of putting something together. They like standing back and looking at it completed and then starting that process all over again. So as you look out, Vince, to 2019 and you're trying to kind of make some, sort some things out out there, what, what is this marketplace? What do are, what are these tea leaves kind of say to you moving into 2019? Well, I think we're still on the up. You know, I think that um, we might see, you know, I'm sure everybody listening and most of your listeners have had a good year in 18 whether it be top line, bottom line, or bottom line, or just overall um, company growth. I, I think we're going to continue to see that in 19. I also think that, you know, and there's other people that have said this, and, and one of our friends has said this, Brian Elias, but you got to at some point decide if you're going to listen to the noise or just make it happen. And an entrepreneurial spirit is the guy that will blindly walk off the cliff and take the risk and hope the parachute works. And if we share that same, while we have to listen and be wise to make sure the parachute's packed correctly and listen to the, 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 you know, the, the scholars out there of what's going on in the industry, we have to still be willing to take that risk. And I think that despite what we might see going on in the media today, despite what we might see what's just happening in the stock market these last few weeks, I look at the business and say, and this is kind of how we made it through the recession, was if we were doing business strictly in Orange County, California and 50% of our business fell overnight, which it did. I just walked over one city to LA County and picked up my other 25% there. And so I was, or my other 50% there, so I was back whole again. So you really have to look at your business that way and be willing to take that risk and, and just literally make it happen. So I think we're, we're definitely the next few years, this is a, a great opportunity. I think there's people spending money. I think that um, people are looking at remodeling. The housing market's tight in most of the country. So I think we're really, really poised for some good continued growth. So as you look out, let's say, to 2019 and maybe in a little bit of 18 or 2020, uh, what, what, what keeps you up at night? What, what kind of has you tossing and turning? Well, I, you know, I kind of look at I think a big part of what's going on, like we all know, is the labor market. You know, the labor market's tight. I think that we do see a lot more media attention especially with what's going on in the White House. We see all this stuff going on. I think we got a lot more outside things coming in at us, giving us doubts. Um, but I think that our challenges are going to be continued labor challenges. I think the guys that are going to make it tr through the next few years to bring in the staff they need to support their businesses, they're going to have to have more programs than just paying a guy a fair wage. I see my staff, and like I said, we have close to 500. These guys are looking for opportunities. They're looking for growth, tra tra growth paths. They're looking for, you know, if I'm making X today, how do I make Y tomorrow, and how will you help me get there? So I think the more we can as a company or as an industry show these guys this is how you can make a good career in this business, we'll attract that talent. The challenge we have is, this industry of carpentry, remodeling, or what, whatever we, we do in the home, the amount of money these people can make, these tradesmen, compared to other industries, is very high, yet nobody realizes that. 
nobody realizes that you can literally make a very, very good living with a very, very low college education. So we have to get that, that word out there and we have to let people know that, you know what, maybe a four-year degree is not for everybody. Maybe getting into the trades and understanding the trades and going through a, with a company that has a trade uh, training program would be the way that would be good for them. I think that's great advice because I, I do think that in our society that oftentimes we're you know, valuing certain things that aren't necessarily kind of translates out to real success. So, you know, I'm a big believer, Vince, as you know, and certainly our relationship and conversations on, you know, different remodeling issues. I'm a big believer that a big part of success is not just, you know, hitting the home runs. It's not making mistakes. And, you know, I don't know any successful remodeler, any successful owner or president of a modeling organization that hasn't made some mistakes. So if, if, as you reflect back in the last, whatever, 20 years or so, you know, what's the biggest mistake that you feel either you or Reborn's made? Uh, growth, so, uh, amount of growth per year. I think that we, I have looked at the staff in our company and looked at it and unfortunately have penalized them in a way because I looked at it and said, well, if I could do it, we should all be able to do it. Let's go do it. So when I go to push my team to reach the next plateau and they're not at my level, they struggle and I'm unintentionally putting them in an area where they're uncomfortable. So in hindsight, I would have done two things. The first thing I would have done was I would have hired for what I needed not for, for, I'm sorry, I would have hired for where I wanted to be rather than what I needed today. I spent a lot of time in the business hiring what I could afford, where I was, with people that were already at or had been at where I was, not where I was going. And now we're in a position where we look at the business and we say, let's hire the guy that's been there, not that we have to take there. And I think that what that's done is it's taken the weight off our shoulders because we're no longer carrying any as many people. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I made is, is in hiring and really looking at what we're doing. The second mistake would be the amount of change in a period of time. So we brought in a lot of separate divisions and products and things. And with that comes all the developmental programs you need behind that stuff. And if we're not able to keep the wheels turning as fast as we need you to keep up with the front end, we have problems. So I think I probably would have taken a step back and said, you know what, let's do that today. Let's do that other one next month rather than putting it all together at the same time. Got it. So pace of growth and certainly kind of how much change, you know, the team and the organization can, can deal with at any one time. So yeah. Vince, you know, I know, you know, there's a tremendous amount of folks that listen into this podcast series that, you know, are either, you know, early in their kind of career in terms of remodeling, or maybe they're, you know, literally a fraction of the size that Reborn or you are, but, you know, really have a yearning to grow and get bigger or, you know, take their business to the next level. So if, if you were mentoring or coaching 
say one of those organizations, and I know it's hard to speak kind of generically like that, but if you were giving some tips out there, you know, to someone that really wanted to take their business to the next level or grow, what, what, what would those tips be? Well, unfortunately, the first thing we'd have to do is probably de-brainwash them or brainwash them into understanding that the business they're in is sales and marketing. And they're not in the home building, the kitchen remodeling, the window company, the roofing company. They're in the sales and marketing company. So that's number one thing we got to get understood is what business are we in? The business we're in and the product we do are two different things. So the second thing is once we decide and can understand that we are in the sales and marketing business is now we got to understand our numbers. And we really got to look at, like I said earlier, what's the smallest gear we have and what makes it spin? And can we replicate that process over and over again? So we've got to know our conversion ratios and marketing. We have to know, our obviously, our cost of goods. We have to really, really, really know what is the smallest component that makes our business go forward. And if we can define that and remember that we have to always focus on, and it, sh and it actually shouldn't even be sales and marketing. It should be marketing and sales. If we always focus on marketing and sales, that will allow us to make sure that we're not having to run back and forth between installing and then coming back to sales and, and doing this teeter-totter effect that we can just create a machine. Great advice. You know, I think that is uh, so true that I think a lot of people think of their businesses as the product, the sticks and bricks, and not necessarily kind of that whole notion that it's really generate it's all about generating opportunities leads and then it's all about you know being very proficient in sales and moving it forward and then it becomes more of a system or process to really see the kind of results so let me ask you this question vincent you know you can certainly expand on it however you like but you know oftentimes when i look at different businesses and owners out there you know there's certain businesses and owners that quite frankly, just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And there's others that are grinders that just grind and grind through it and they kind of build their success, you know, as a result of that hard work. How do you kind of see that blend for, for you and Reborn? You know, how much of your success, how much of Reborn success is just knowledge and hard work versus, you know, kind of being in the right place and having a little bit of luck? Well, I think with, you know, I'm sure luck plays a part of it, but, and I, and, and, and you use the term grind, but I kind of look at it more that we look, it's, it's like a chess game. And the more we can look at the, at what we're doing and try to be four, five, six steps ahead and know the end result, it kind of takes all that stress away, that anxiety away, that having to get up and grind through it. You know, I do work a lot of hours. I mean, you know, on the East Coast, I start my day extremely early on the West Coast. And I do that because I enjoy that, not because I have to do it, but I actually enjoy that. So, but what I, what I, what I, the reason why I'm able to enjoy what I do is because I try to stay many, many steps ahead of where we're at. And I think that's kind of what has helped us be where we're at is we don't grind through it. We don't force it to happen. We strategize and we plan for it to happen. Well, I love your metaphor of the chess because, you know, I think that the more you start to think of your business and the strategies and the tactics that you're doing in your business as kind of a chess move, I think the more that you can really 
you know, make sure that you're thinking through that, that, that process properly. So, Vince, let me move to, towards kind of the end, and, and certainly, you know, I want to get you to have an opportunity to kind of share any final tips and thoughts. But, um, you know, anything else that you want to share as, as we're speaking to this large audience in terms of, you know, kind of keys to success or, you know, just a little bit of gray hair kind of things that might help them? Sure. Well, it's going to be a lot of gray hair, but... Um, <laughs> What I, what I, the one thing I'll share is, and I see this, you know, and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening experience this every day is we have to make sure that we're able to step out of the situation and look at it objectively. And what I often see, and I've seen it in our own business with other people involved in our business, is we make radical decisions with little information. And we make those radical decisions because we are in a panic mode of some situation that's going on. So what I will caution everybody listening to is when you come up against that situation of you feeling panicked, is you need to take a step back. You need to look at it objectively. You need to call somebody in the industry that you can trust as a trusted advisor. And you got to make sure that the decision you're making is well thought out rather than just being reactive. Excellent advice, and it's certainly a uh, a great way to end this. And I would, you know, encourage certainly those out there if you want to reach back to me, Mark Richardson at Remodeling Mastery. If you have a question with Vince Nardo, he's again with Reborn. They're in Southern California. You can certainly reach out and send him a note. But uh, you know, Vince, this is. This has been a real pleasure, and I think those that, uh, you know, hopefully have a chance to really reflect or even pass this along uh, to other people, that they can certainly benefit some, from some of your wisdom and advice. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you. If you liked what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available in all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.